Welcome to Under the Blanket with your host Baba Hirlov and Jagadesh. Namaste. All right, so today's episode is about practice, 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 and it's a perfect time for probably a lot of people out there to practice with what's going on in the world. So. You know, we're going to go over some practices and how they affected our life today. Uh, what are your thoughts on practicing in these challenging times, Jagadesh? Yeah, um, it is kind of challenging for a lot of people right now. Uh, this uh, virus, this is what we're referring to, has kind of um, manifested itself into our reality. And uh, it's done something that I've never seen in my lifetime, and I don't know... Uh, if anybody's ever really seen it, that a virus has like uh, shut down basically most large groups or all large groups and you're confined to your house for the most part, but for shopping, um, a lot of people are laid off. Uh, I'm actually currently unemployed. I have to apply for emergency unemployment. But um, So challenges arise um, and luckily I've been in a good place lately. Um, the last few months, uh, I've been doing a lot of sadhana, which is practice, spiritual practice. It's a Sanskrit word for practice. And I've been feeling um, relatively confirmed and consistent. And um, I could get all blown out of proportion about this in my mind. I could, I mean, a lot of people at my job are like, oh, no, it's the end. <laughs> you know, I mean, some people were kind of like, oh, yeah, I get some time off. It's like it, it all comes down to perspective. Um and uh, just seeing that it's the it seems like truth is only relative from to where you're standing, you know, um, sounds like something Ramdas would say. I think he may he did say, say that, but uh, it's all relative. You know, it's like, where are you at in your mind and, and how are you reacting to uh, your reality, whether it's coronavirus or just small things? Uh, in a way, I feel like this coronavirus is bringing people together. There is fear element, but there is there is a sense when catastrophe happens, um, people tend to come together and reach out and help each other. Uh, like in 9-11, you know, everybody just jumped in and started helping. And that's unfortunate that it takes these kind of events for people to see that that's what it's all about. Um so in a way, I'm hoping hoping this coronavirus, uh, uh, Terrence McKinnon, I believe, said that viruses are nature's uh, immune system. It comes through and it wipes out something or it does something. It, it, it rattles stuff up, you know, and, uh, and it creates a little damage, but it just lets us know that we're not in control ultimately. So... Um, and that's what practice is about, is about relinquishing the fact that, I mean, you we're in control of how our inner world is, you know, that that's ultimately what we have control over, our reactions and, and how we respond to things. Um, so that's just kind of overall viewpoint, but uh, separate individual practices that's uh, that's. Uh, uh, can be expanded on for sure and what works for me and for you. Oh, uh, um, well, uh, I, I feel what you're saying and I feel that this is the end times as far as we're 
transitioning into a new uh, period in human consciousness. I think that Trump's the like the symbol, like the Antichrist, uh, the false leader who represents our ego. It's like we all have a little Trump inside us that thinks everything revolves around us. And the coronavirus is forcing us to have an inner revolution in the sense that more people will go within enough, enough of the people that it will uh, create a new consciousness through vibrational change of uh, more people changing their consciousness and that vibration will connect with everything and the world and it will bring us together like you were saying in some sort of way when when all this is said and done we'll be embracing each other more we'll be glad to see each other because we'll be less well you know if we go into deep quarantine that is which looks likely so um and we'll also have a sense of we need more social programs. We need things to money spent uh, to provide a safety net. We'll probably have a universal basic income. We'll probably have universal health care and things like that after all this crisis is over and the new consciousness. And who knows how long that's all going to take to really settle in or if it will happen at all. I don't pretend to know. That's just what I feel looks like is happening. And I hope it's happening, too. And... uh so let's yeah. get into our individual practices. So Jagadesh, how about you tell us the practice and how it worked for you and so on. Okay. First, I'd like to say I appreciate your optimism um, in this time because in, in, in general about uh, bringing this new consciousness, this new heaven, this new earth uh, into reality Um it's something a lot of people are lacking is is that 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 strong faith belief you know and uh trust that this is an opportunity for us to awaken um so thanks for pointing that out um as far as practices go man well right now i have a few individual practices that i've just been doing and both are kind of um i feel from my uh my guru gurus um one guru but uh through two particular sat gurus that i i've had a time to spend uh in person uh time with ama matsamritanandamai uh, also known as the hugging saint and uh in i got to one of her um, back 2004, and uh, it involves some breathing, some visualization, some a little yoga, like this and that, right? And it's kind of a kriya, uh, yogananda taught kriya yoga. Um, but you know, I never did it on a consistent basis, and I have a horrible time doing it. <laughs> like I have a hard time concentrating. But there's a part where you pray for the the grace of the mirror before and uh, and afterwards and then you pray for the world and and just those two actions and that intention so practice comes down to having intention and it comes down to having um you know just like some passion you know i i was talking about this the other day uh that passion is essential to practice for me because first off, if I never read Be Here Now, if I never took LSD, if I never read Miracle of Love, if I never met Amma, I would have a lot 
less passion or I may not even know of these realms and opportunities. Um, but this, these, these, this Hindu path, I guess I'm not Hindu, but I, I do a lot of the practices from the Hindu path because I've met my guru in the Hindu path. And, uh, but the thing about it is it doesn't limit me to any path. Um, especially in the case of Neem Karoli, I feel that he was the master who would point people to other pointers, things pointing to the truth. And ultimately, you know, and so you put it into practice and then start to experience and embody it. One, my first practice ever is very, very simple. And you know, it's, it's Ram, 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 Ram. And that's still a core part of my practice. Um, that's very easy. You can do it any time of the day. You get a mala and you just do it, do it, do it. And even if you don't even know you're doing it, you feel the mala in your hand. And this is how it happened for me. I felt the mala in my hand and I was thinking about all the other things. I said, oh, I'm still doing the beads. There's a subtle part of me that's still connected to the Ram, to the Ram. And that's like, that's the source. It's God, Ram. It's the same as self. Um, it's just putting a name on it. Um, but Neem Crowley, that was his practice. So when you're connected in a lineage or with a master on some level, whether physically or on any other level or dimension, you know, uh, you have inherently, it's installed into you and everybody's connected and it's just plugging in. It's just plugging into these different sources. Now, Buddhism is another I like sitting practice, uh, uh, sitting in silence and just watching thoughts. Um, tend to do that more with groups, but that's a really great way to just watch the uncomfortability and learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, and there's a point where you reach the stillness and the silence if you wait long enough and, you know, relax into it. But, yeah, uh, chanting is really uh, especially powerful in this day and age, too. Um, a lot of uh, masters have said that. So uh, connecting it with music in some way, now that's something that's available to everybody. And, and that's why we get so stimulated when we listen to music. But we're directing the energy in the wrong way a lot of times when we're listening to some of this music. Uh, but when you're on the spiritual path, I think you've experienced this, Eric, where it's like, no matter what the music is, you can direct it. And that's actually kind of a tantric uh, method of taking any stimuli and directing it towards the heart or God or the self and raising that energy up. And that's why you hear Christians, Christian rock and all, it's like, it all revolves around music, whatever path is like music's essential to our heritage as being humans and sound. Yeah, uh, thank you for sharing some of those practices. And I would like to go over the practice of, that I've been doing recently. It's on the Ramdas Guided Meditation Library that's mm -hmm. recently come out. And uh, Ramdas is the, the one who will be here now or who was involved in that. And uh, one of the meditations I just found, it, they must have dug into the archives and found this one because it wasn't on YouTube. And it was called Just Be. And I just listened to Ram Das, and he guides me into getting here. He starts with, you know, being here. And then you just be. And then basically, you keep the, you keep being. And, you know, phenomena arise, like sensation, thought, uh, 
all that kind of stuff. And uh, when it arises, you just be with it. You just you put return to just being as it arises, and you w- notice how your mind will cling to something and go on a train of thought about it, or train of something that goes along and clings to uh, keeps you being involved in that. The point is with this meditation to let that go to what you're experiencing in the here and now Mm. and just be with that. And then you keep letting go of what you're clinging and just being, and it's about 10 minutes long. And I find that uh, as a practice uh, that just lately I've been doing. And now as far as a practice I've done um, in the past, uh, well, uh, I'll go into how about uh, the practice of uh, kirtan. I found that, you know, like I'll put set up an altar and look at a picture of a guru or uh, something that reminds me of my higher self and sing to it. And uh, I'll sing like, say, uh, for in college, I used to love singing Krishna dots a lot. Uh, the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra and for hours and really get into that. Yeah. And I have uh, also been involved with just singing rock and roll songs. I feel if you do it in the devotional sense and you keep your mind focused on God, whatever song you sing, if you're singing it toward God, can be a, a practice. Although repetitive mantras seem to be more helpful in many times. So I recommend starting with a repetitive mantra for that mm. per time. Like uh, mm. Hari, uh, certain mantras with that or uh, whatever it be, Buddhist, Hindu or whatever, Christian mm. songs that are repetitive, whatever it is. Mm. But then you can move into whatever song you want when you get the hang of focusing on a higher mm. the universe or God or higher love or whatever it is and focusing your mind on that and getting lost in love. Uh, Mirage mm. said, uh, who is you know, the blanket guy, he said, uh, how people asked him, how do I meditate? And he said, yeah, something like this. He said, get lost in love, meditate like Christ did. He said that. And then they said, well, how did Christ meditate? I mean, it's not in the Bible, how he meditated, right? So Raji mm. said he got lost in love. Mm. So that sounds a um, similar to bhakti yoga, but I guess whatever practice you do, you get lost in love. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so that's the practice. So two practices I'd like to share. What are some more practices and how they impacted you, Jagadesh? Um, Well, yeah, I really like uh, what you had to say about being lost in love. And um, it's an interesting thing because you have awareness and love. So, on the awareness end, which they both end up in the same place, um, Ram Dass like to say loving awareness, and uh, I've tried that, I think that same meditation or some of Ram Dass's meditations and the being one is, is really powerful. Um, another one, and I think it may have been Bhagavan Das at some point told me this, um, it came up, we were talking about sitting practice, and he's like, when you go to your altar to sit, He's like, just sit to love the mother. Just, just sit to love God. And that's definitely bhakti, you know. But I, I'll, uh, this this little ri- ritual for me, uh, I really like the joke. 
Campbell book, uh, The Power of Myth. But the idea behind that book and a lot of his concepts from a lot of cultures, the rituals, the shaman, the shaman, the priests, the pujaris, um, they all had essential roles in the culture and maybe the highest role in these small, small indigenous cultures and tribal cultures, um, Native Americans. But they they had a doorway through their ritual um, to the transcendent state. So when I say sit to love the mother, um, I, I sometimes refer to God as she because I, I really uh, honor and connect with that motherly force and mother nature. So sit to love the mother. I light some candles, um, light some incense. And just sit in silence and maybe, you know, look into uh, the photos I have, all the divine beings I have on my altar and gurus. And just I see them smiling back at me and I feel love in my heart. And it's just such a simple thing, you know, picking a flower and offering it. Um, Krishna said in the Bhagavad Gita, I don't know what chapter right offhand, but that even one offers me a leaf with pure devotion, they're truly, uh, you know, special to me. I don't know what the exact words were, or, you know, he, it, it fills you up. Um, the devotional practices and chanting, uh, really powerful. The chanting, I like what you said about repeating over and over and over. And the point of that is to something else that, uh, Bhagavanda said to me, actually, he said, he said when he had an AMA CD, I, I drove him in my car once to uh, a yoga studio in Philly. And he was in my car, Bhagavanda, and I had AMA playing, and he starts beating on the dashboard. And, and he's like, he's like, I used to play her CDs all the time. And I was like, why? He's like, to get the imprint. He's like, to get the imprint. So when we're repeating something over and over and over and over and over again, we're getting the imprint. Just like if we're doing something negative over and over and over, we get the imprint. But, um, so what do you want to imprint <laughs> is the question. Uh, so affirmations, uh, very powerful. Um, you know, vis visions, you know, visualizing things and experiencing that you already have them, like, that's, that's another powerful practice, kind of leaning on the new agey side, but there is a lot of relevance to it. But I believe the core, the core of all these practices, in some sense, is to come to the present moment without being in a thought state. And the mantra does that too, because it, it puts you, it focuses on one point. And the, the meaning behind the word mantra is to protect the mind. So what it, it focuses you on one point and pushes all the other thoughts out until you have one repetitive thing going on and on and on. And, and then you break through into the silence, the true silence of mind. And things just happen, you know, like, like, like beauty just happens and everything is so much more filled with grandeur and beauty. And you're so grateful for life, you know, um, but you got to beware <laughs> As the Buddhists would say, you know, that's not it either. That's not, you know, that's being in bliss. It's touching your true nature, but the true nature is steady no matter what the situation is. And it's easy to experience it in these states, but then, you know, your house falls on top 
you and you're being crushed. <laughs> it's like, how, you know, where do you go then? Um, so that's why we practice is for those situations too, because then it's automatic. Um, yeah. Um, uh, uh, I would like to go over something that's maybe, uh, as well, it's like sort of like a practice of mindfulness and an activity so it's been around for a while. But social media is something that a lot of people are involved with lately. And what about making social media a yoga? And I found mm. the news feed is helpful in this. Just all you do with this practice is as you scroll down, you keep returning to the witness where the and this is just the witness practice basically. You could do this with everything. But you return to the witness and you watch how every post triggers the ego. Like, for example, you'll see a post about a flower. Your ego will go, wow. And then you'll see a post about a news story about something bad happened. Oh. Or someone just had their family member die. Oh. And then someone, someone says something you upsets you politically about how great Trump is and how uh, Mexicans should go back to their country. You go, ah. Oh. And then, like, you... So what you do is you keep pulling back from the reactive nature of the mind and being the witness. And then you'll notice how the more you do that, the reactions settle down and settle down. And mm. it doesn't really matter what they do, because the more you be in the witness, the more you're at peace with it anyway. Because the witness is not judging, uh, it's not desiring, it's not any of that. It's just witnessing mm. from a place of peace. There's different levels of the witness. You, there's like an ego level of the witness which like notices and notices and notices it's it's calmer but it's still ego it's not that transcendent mm. witness yet but that using that it can eventually get you to the transcendent point mm. which is kind of a yana yoga thing maybe mm. so i think that would uh let's uh how about we uh you read us a story from miracle of love and yeah we'll, we'll we'll comment on what we what it means for that so hopefully we'll intend now for the story to be related to what we're talking about because that would be great so miraji you are all formed help this book communicate your message for us now uh hopefully related to what we're talking about miraji you know what's best for us so uh jagadesh will read the story and we'll both talk about the story Okay. Um, hold on one second. <laughs> okay. Um, making sure I'm reading the right thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the waves crashed on the rocks, a sound that Sudesh loved as he sat feeling the freshness of the spray on his face. Voices echoed around him and he could feel the vibration as people jogged along the beach and his sightless eyes turned towards the movement. He had been coming to this spot for many months now, ever since he had shifted to Mumbai after his mother had passed away. The sound of the sea invoked a vision that he could only feel, not see. He could smell the delicious puris that Ram Prasad was frying, very near to where he sat. 
Every day, the cheerful proprietor would look for a moment when there were few customers and hand over a plate of piping hot puris to the, and delicious potato curry to the gentle blind man who sat there so young and complaining. Sudesh heard a link, the tinkling of anklets near him. Who is this? He asked curiously. May I sit here? I asked a soft voice, and he had sudden had a sudden mental vision of a lovely young girl, delicate and lively. Do sit down, he invited. That is, if you have nothing else to do. He heard the thud as she sat down beside him and sensed the smile of her voice. I am a regular customer of Rompersad's and a great fan of his puris. He told me about you the last time I was here. They were interrupted by Ram Prasad, who brought two plates of hot puris and then sat in silence, munching away contentedly, not wanting to break the silence. You haven't told me your name, Sudesh asked suddenly. Kavita, she replied, and the ice was broken. They began to talk about all kinds of subjects. And Sudesh tried to conjure up her face. Was she short or tall, fair or dark? He sensed that she had long hair and sparkling black eyes. Judging by the easy way she laughed, her heart-shaped face would have an expression of mischief, and there would be um, I'm going to stop reading this. This is too long. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. You left us hanging, Jagadesh. Come on. The thing is, is that, that I don't even know if that was a Baba story. Read the damn bro. story, because you know, it's like we were, I was following that. I need to know. So how long is it? Because please read it, however long it takes. <laughs> it can't be that long. What is it? Um, okay. Okay, you haven't told me your name, Sadish asked suddenly. Kavita, she replied. And the ice was broken. They began to talk about all kinds of subjects. And Sudesh tried to conjure up her face. Was she short or tall, fair or dark? He sensed that she had long hair and sparkling black eyes. Judging by the easy way she laughed, her heart-shaped face would have an expression of mischief. And there would, would be a round red bindi in the center of her forehead, which wished... He wished he could have a glimpse of her. What did she feel when she looked at him? Pity? He ho hop hoped not because he hated being pitied. pitied. The hours flew by as though they had wings. They had already drunk two cups of masala chai, and the breeze had grown, str grown stronger. As the sun prepared to set in the horizon, Ram Prasad was closing up shop, and it was time for Sudesh to go home. As well. Good night, Sudesh G. Kavita's voice tinkled in his ear. Will I see you again? He asked, rather ironically, and she laughed as she replied, Why not? You could keep me away from Ram Prasad's puris. Sudesh heard her go with a strange pang in his heart. He had never felt this way before. For a change, he kept sitting, immersed in his own thoughts. He felt a warm glow at the thought of his new friend. But how could he, a blind man, harbor such thoughts about any girl? He tried to imagine Kavita's face again. Maybe she was like a poem herself. Judging by her name, he imagined her large, lustrous eyes smiling at him, giving him hope. And suddenly his shoulders slumped. How could he expect a beautiful young girl to marry a blind man like himself? When Rob Prasad came to the by to guide him back home, he found him sitting listlessly, a picture of dejection. 
Sudesh Babu, I thought meeting Kavita would have cheered you up. Instead, you are sitting like a monument of despair. Sudesh got up with difficulty and groped around for his cane. Ram Prasad, don't introduce me to any more girls, he groaned. I like Kavita, even though I have no hope that she will ever reciprocate. Ram Prasad whooped in joy. Congratulations, Sudesh Baba. She is a lovely girl. He went on, I have been trying to bring you two together for some time now. As Sudesh heard him out of disbelief, he said, she is a beautiful person. When she was young, she was involved in an accident in which she lost her eyesight. Never once had she complained or thought of it as a disability. Sudish listened, lost for words. He was elated because now he could ask Kavita to marry him. He was strangely happy that he himself was blind because he could always imagine her long, large, lustrous eyes looking back at him and hope and love. Okay. <laughs> That was a great story, but uh, it wasn't a Neem Karoli Baba story. <laughs> was it from Miracle of Love? No. I said read something from Miracle of Love. I tried to look up something on the spot because uh, Dude, I left my I book said over there. I Miracle of Love. It's okay. I out? think the message of the... Regardless, <laughs> I'm going to go with that story. So the story is about true love, and I believe... You know, like, maybe we all can't really see each other. We're all that blind couple, and we all got to come together and imagine each other. Because we really are seeing, when we look at another person, what do we see? We see our own projection. We see our desire system. We don't see, we see what attracts us, what repels us, what we like, what we don't like about the person. And that constantly changes. We never really see the person Unless we see them like that blind couple saw each other as love, true love. So that's the message of the story. And there, I just made it a message. Ha ha, I win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's actually a good story, you know. And, like, because they were blind, he got a feeling in his stomach. He got a feeling of this closeness with this person that he, he couldn't even see. But it was that energy, that feeling, that was the love, you know. And he his fears... His fears of rejection didn't let him experience that love. So it's the same with everything else in life, really. I mean, that was probably a Neem Crowley Baba story, but not a Neem Crowley Baba story because there was a message there, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, it's um, all a Neem Crowley Baba story. <laughs> right, it's all, uh, it's all one, exactly. Sub X. And you know what? My battery's running a little low, so it's been a long enough episode. Let's end it with a little chanting. And Jagadesh, okay. what do you think Miraji feels we should chant? Um, let's just do uh, let's do let's do like uh, eighteen roms. All right, lead us off. Ram, 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 ram. Thank you for joining us with Under the Blanket with Baba Irlov and Jagadesh.